amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Okay, here we go. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Three, two, one. Action. Assume nothing. Brash, bald-faced blasphemy. Question everything. I find it extremely hard to imagine. Open your eyes. It is quite all right to be an atheist. The fastest growing group of people in the country has been measured as being those who have no belief or who are atheists. You don't have to be apologetic or quiet about it. Challenge the opposition. You see religion on a hundred fronts losing the argument. And start thinking. This is The Thinking Atheist Worldwide. I'm going to Minneapolis, going to be speaking there on the 23rd of this month. So looking forward to seeing you there. They have me speaking at a place called the Geek Partnership Society. Oh, that's just amazing. Like, why don't we have one of those in my town? Join me, my friends. Minneapolis-St. Paul, the Geek Partnership Society. That'll be 2 o'clock on Sunday, September 23rd. Five bucks gets you in the door. Advanced tickets are on sale. Just go to sethandrews.net and then click on the speaking tab and all the information is there. That's a week from Sunday, Minneapolis, St. Paul. See you there. Jerry sent me a story on Facebook I wanted to share with you to start the broadcast. It's a short story. It's called Sunday Morning Sex. It goes like this. Upon hearing that her elderly grandfather had just passed away, Katie went straight to her grandparents' house to visit her 95-year-old grandmother and comfort her. When she asked how her grandfather had died, grandmother replied, 
He had a heart attack while we were making love on Sunday morning. Horrified, Katie told her grandmother that two people nearly a hundred years old having sex would surely be asking for trouble. Oh no, my dear, replied Granny. Many years ago, realizing our advanced age, we figured out the best time to do it was when the church bells would start to ring. It was just the right rhythm, nice and slow and even, nothing too strenuous, simply in on the ding and out on the dong. And she paused to wipe away a tear, and then she continued, You know, he'd still be alive if the ice cream truck hadn't come along. I just thought that was funny. has nothing to do with the rest. Well, you know, you're not going to get banned for that on Facebook, which is what this show is about, Facebook jail. I had uh, mentioned last week that I had been on a brief timeout for a couple of posts of mine. So people began to share their experiences, and there were so many of them, I thought, oh, God, we got to talk about this for the radio show. Some people were just hysterical. Like somebody posted uh, a shot of... Uh, it's a kid in a prison jumpsuit. And I think the uh, caption said something like, Facebook jail, it changes a man. That kind of stuff. Let me just read a few of these others. And we're going to talk to some people, activists and listeners and other people. And we're going to get into how Facebook bans operate, the algorithms and all that stuff. False flagging and what we might be able to do to, at least to a degree anyway, uh, help protect ourselves. Andrea said she received a Facebook warning. She had a picture removed. It apparently was captioned, Unborn Baby's Brain. Someone was offended and flagged it. It was not a brain, by the way. It was just half of a shelled walnut. But the caption, I guess, alarmed some people. Jim said he was banned three days in Facebook jail for posting a photo of starving children in Ethiopia. I'm going to guess that Jim was trying to make a point about the goodness of God toward his children. Daniel, he was banned for posting a meme that compared Mother Teresa to Jim Jones. You know, the cult leader, Jim Jones of Jonestown, 900 plus people dead. Dan said he got Facebook jail for doing a Mark Twain quote, but he didn't say what the quote was. I would be curious. Thomas True, he's an activist in St. Louis and a friend. He had posted a political post in support of a candidate. Here's my candidate. I'm going to go vote for this candidate. And here's the dates of the vote. And uh, someone flagged it. And the algorithms kicked in. And he received a 24-hour ban from Facebook. I'm guessing that one never saw the eyes of a human being. It was just the machines reacting to the flags of the opponent of the candidate. We'll get into the community standards Uh, Facebook specifically, we'll also talk some about Twitter. But first, I'm going to go to the switchboard and see what our listeners and some fellow activists have to say. I've got Tracy Moody on the line. Tracy, you are such a rebel. (laughs) You have apparently been banned, blocked, forbidden to use Facebook for some length of time over some some scandal, something that you, you broke the rules. What exactly are we talking about, Tracy? Uh, Most recently, what I did was I screen grabbed some harassment I received from a man who he's actually uh, in the atheist community. So that's why I posted it. I thought it was of interest to people on my friends list that this man asked me to watch him masturbate. 
there was nothing leading up to this that he would have thought this was okay. So I shared it on my social media on Facebook. It was, he actually messaged me through Instagram, which is the same company as Facebook. And uh, I guess he showed up to the post. I'm, I'm assuming it was him who reported me for harassment. And I was immediately banned. Like within 20 minutes of him showing up to the post, I was banned. So, I was- so out of the blue, the guy makes uh, sexual advances to you. You say, holy shit, I didn't ask for any of this. It's completely out of line. You screenshot what he said. You post it on your page as a revelation to everybody else as to what's going on. And Facebook oh, Yeah, at large. You. Not just this guy, but this is like a really common problem for women, especially women who are more vocal in the atheist community. So I was. it was about him specifically, but also a wider problem. How'd you find out you were banned? Because all of a sudden I was just kicked off of off of my Facebook, like the post deleted. And then I got that. There's that prompt that comes up to say, you've been banned because of something inappropriate you've posted. There was no appeal option for me. I've seen those before where you can appeal it. There was not one for me. Nothing. It didn't even give me specifics of what I did. You are in violation of our community standards. Yeah, Tracy that's Moody. what it said. And you have no recourse. There's no one really to talk to. There's no departments. There's no appeals process. You just have to live with it. Is that what you did? Uh, yeah. So it was three days. And for somebody like me, I work in social media. Part of my income is based on me getting on Facebook and making posts for the companies I work for. So I was unable to work for three days. So the amount of power that has over me is really unfair. There's no due process, oh you know, which it's cruel on a platform of this magnitude you know, maybe it's foolish or optimistic that we entrust all of our social media platforms like Facebook with so much of our lives information in this way, but we've basically transcended into our social media lives. So it seems like a company this large should really take the ethics of their power more seriously. In your case, your financial destiny, at least for 72 hours, <laughs> is negatively affected, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think anybody actually looks. I think like he probably reported me. It was so immediate. I doubt people on Facebook, on the Facebook and the company side, I doubt they're actually reviewing these things, especially with as quickly as this happened. I couldn't imagine they were like, oh, let's see what this guy reported. And like within a minute, I was gone. I don't think, I think they just take, get rid of things. And then they just, I, there's no, like, it's just this like cyber bureaucracy on the other side. I don't think there's anybody looking at anything. There's like all these channels. If you know somebody at Facebook, you can get it like escalated. Which well, I, let's talk just you know, philosophically, Tracy. I mean, do you think some stuff should be banned and what might that be? Uh, well, I, you know, even if they stuck to their community standards, maybe that would be a good start. But it seems like a lot of things that are banned and then things that are not re removed that are reported. For example, I saw, I saw a post once. It was a meme and it was a fridge full of beers, like domestic beers. And there was a white stripe, which is like the Jamaican beer. And it was lynched in the fridge like it was being hung by a noose from the fridge and i reported it because i think that's i mean that should be in violation isn't that hate speech or something that's really uh, that's very disturbing i mean essentially they were saying like hang a black person and then they were posting this as humor so oh, i reported it wow. and then i you know i this happened many times in, in similar situations where I'll, I'll post racist or rape threats or things like that and then i'll get a notification back saying we did not find that this violates community standards are we talking about a double standard also when it comes to religion, in your opinion? Uh, well, let's talk about Friendly Atheist. You know, I, I was the admin on Friendly Atheist for like four years on the Facebook page. Yeah, I had been banned before for things that were not, I mean, well, let's say, who is to say what is offensive? Um, for example, <laughs> I actually shared it on your thread. Um, I had once posted this uh, Sunday school printout of 
shamrocks. Like it was just something innocent for kids, but you cut out these shamrocks and you, you tape them all together. But the cutout version looked like penises and balls. Like it like unmistakably was penises and balls to anybody who looked at this. And I didn't even, I posted it on Friendly Atheists and I didn't even allude to that. All I, I mean, I didn't specifically say cock and balls. I just said, (laughs) how do they not, how do they not know? That was my caption. And I posted it on Friendly Atheists. How does this one slip through exactly, (laughs) right? I got banned. And I wasn't like, I didn't even say like, here's cock and balls. Like this is honestly, this is just a Sunday school printout. And I posted it and said, how do they not know? And I was banned. I was banned for some amount of time. But yeah, that happens quite a bit on Friendly Atheists. But I think that's because there is such a hate crowd on the atheists that you get so many reports at once that it happens very easily and very quickly when you're adminning a very large atheist page. Of all the people I know who, who are not offensive people, Tracy Moody, you're up here <laughs> at the top of the list. I just can't imagine. But, you know, honestly, I'm, I appreciate your perspective on the show here as we talk about these types of things. We're going to try to get perhaps a few solutions. Any other perspectives before we call it a day? I would love to get people from Facebook into this conversation. You're screaming into the void, and it sucks because Facebook has become like nearly 50% of most of our lives. There needs to be people we can talk to. They have so much power. They should be more careful with their uh, the ethics behind this. I'm like you. I mean, it's not just a social exercise for us. It is how we connect in so many ways with our audiences and the people who support us. It's sometimes part of how we pay the bills. Mm-hmm. It's not just a symbolic thing whenever they pull the plug without explanation now now we're really genuinely affected on multiple levels and we deserve greater recourse, especially because we are the ones who keep these social media platforms in motion, right? Absolutely. We are their commodity. They need to treat us with a little more respect, I think. All right. Treat Tracy Moody with a little more respect. Tracy, you're awesome. I look forward Thank to seeing you. you on the road here in the next, uh, I don't know, a few months. Our paths usually cross once a year or something like that. That's absolutely <laughs> true. Yes. I hope I see you so, soon. Thanks, Seth. Awesome. Appreciate you so much. Bye. I got Adam on the switchboard. You're on the Thinking Atheist radio podcast. Thanks for joining me, my friend. Absolutely. The pleasure's all mine, Seth. Thanks for having me on, buddy. All of a sudden, I see everybody tagging you when we're talking about (laughs) being banned and blocked and locked out and deleted. And they're like, oh, you got to talk to Adam. And of course, my first question here is, what have you been up to, Adam? What are you doing? Well, so I don't get in as much trouble as I used to. I used to be a lot more brash and outspoken i've since calmed down some after being banned so much and i guess after the thrill wore off of being such a outspoken atheist and i guess i've matured a little bit and it's not quite as as outgoing as i used to be but yeah there was a time where i was a little more outgoing than i probably should have been i mean i'm outgoing you know i mean matt dillahunty's outgoing sure uh, Yasmin Muhammad, there we're outgoing. There's something else about your posts that were really causing the ban hammer to kick in. What were you doing? Well, I mean, there were times where I would like stage a, a video where I would burn flags or Bibles and piss out the ashes. Uh, things like that would really get a lot of Christians and conservatives very upset and fired up, but my dad included. And those got shared all over the place, whether it were by fans or by people who hated me. And so it was like a love-hate relationship with a lot of Facebook. 
What was the end game on that score? Was it just that you were no longer controlled by these things, or were you trying to piss people off? Well, it was more me lashing out because I have a, a, like a really extreme personality. I was grown up Christian. I was the kid on the playground with a Bible preaching to people that they need to believe like I do or they were going to burn in hell. And after a, a long process of trying to learn truth and reality, because I wanted to try to learn apologist arguments to save people. So I thought I'd be fair about it and try to learn atheist arguments so that I knew what I was up against. And the more I learned about atheist arguments, the more I realized that my faith was starting to crumble. And when it finally did, I kind of like maybe temporarily insanity lost my mind and just flipped out because I was so felt so betrayed. You were angry. Very much yeah, so. You felt like you'd been lied to. Yeah, very much so. So you're pissing Bible ashes. <laughs> uh, any other things of note that uh, got you on Facebook's sensor radar? Well, I guess after anger died down about that, I was more involved in social justice issues. Like since I had been such a hardcore conservative, like I was the worst person in the world, homophobic, racist, just a horrible person. Cause that's how I was raised. So I realized I had a lot to make up for. Um, one of the things that hit me was the, the free the nipple campaign, women getting shamed for breastfeeding in public and Facebook backs this, this obviously blatantly discriminatory, misogynistic policy. Like, they literally don't even try to hide it. Male nipples are okay. Female nipples are not. So it wasn't uncommon for me to, like, post pictures of myself totally naked in a mangina pose just to show the hypocrisy of it. And I normally wouldn't get banned, and they would piss off women, not pissed at me, but pissed at Facebook because I was exposing them, like, how is this okay? How come I can post these kind of things, but they would get banned if they did? All right, Adam, I don't forgive my ignorance. I'm not going to Google mangina <laughs> pose. So I'm guessing what you're just tucking things in. That's exactly that what, you, what we're talking. You tuck and you squeeze your legs together so it looks like you, you know, like what Buffalo Bill did. Exactly, in Silence of the Lambs, it's not uncommon of, for people to con to use the Buffalo Bill quote when they see me post those pictures. Well, okay. I mean, I learned something new. I don't know if I needed to know it, Adam, but thank you for... It's not for everybody. For Some people the, like the open-handedness <laughs> of it, but a lot of people, they could do without it. You know, it is an interesting conversation to have. I mean, and I come from a Puritan background, too, but, you know, you can show the female breast except for this tiny little section right here. Like, this section here is obscene. And I always wondered, well, how did this happen? Like, how do you, how do you get there? And so there's all these questions about whether or not you can see any portion of the, oh, I can see a millimeter of nipple. It's such a real conversation, Adam. <laughs> so, uh, but you've calmed, you've centered your chi, you've aligned your chakras. You have come to a point now where you're not quite as provocative now as you were then. Am I hearing you right? Kind of. I mean, every, like, sometimes <laughs> I think like, like I've, like, I don't know what to do anymore. I don't know how to top my last stunt. And every time I top it, yeah. now I have a new goal to reach. And now it's like it's overwhelming. Sometimes I'll have a, a wild idea and I'll just roll with it. And maybe it'll get me banned. Maybe it won't. Um, do you worry about permanent ban at any point? Do you worry they're just going to decide that, you know, you're a repeat offender, life sentence? There are times when I think about that because I have a long history on Facebook. I've been very active for a long time. 
uh, you actually participated in one of my biggest projects, the ACS, the Facebook online convention a couple of years ago. I remember. Yeah. So I've, like I've done a lot of, I would hate for it to be permanently banned, but I've also made an alternate account that probably two thirds of my regular account friends are on just for that reason. For when I do get banned, I can still be in touch with them. And if it does get permanent, well, at least I have my backup. If anybody was curious, do you want to pitch your page? How do people find you? You want to do that? Sure, you can find me. My name is Adam Collins, spelled just like it sounds. I'm actually in the process with the courts right now of getting a legal name change from Adam to Adam, A-T-O-M, just to drop the religious part of my name. And it can make it sound kind of cool and sciencey, which people can still call me the same thing. But for now, it's still biblically spelled. <laughs> You're going to have to spell it for everybody, A-T-O-M, and then you have to tell the story to everybody. You're prepared for that? Well, I've already told most people the story, so they're already ready for it. But yeah, I'll, right. I'll tell the story if they want to know why. It's because I'm an atheist. I don't want a religious connotation to my name anymore. You're not the only atheist with a biblical name. <laughs> Seth was the third son of Adam, right? There was Cain and Abel, and that didn't turn out well. And then there was Seth. Right. But fortunately, I have the luxury to have a sciencey sounding name that sounds exactly like it, just different spelling. All right. Good luck with the name change. And thanks for talking about this stuff on the air. And, and you know, behave. <laughs> no guarantees, Seth, but thanks for having me on, buddy. Go easy. <laughs> we don't want to lose you, Adam. You take care of yourself, okay? Thanks, man. All right. See you later. All right. Bye bye. Short break. When I come back, we're going to talk about Alex Jones. Alex got the boot deleted from Facebook, and so there's a big dust-up over censorship. Alex Jones has been censored. He's the victim of censorship. And so we're going to address that and talk a little bit about what he's been doing in the wake of his ban or his removal from these platforms. We're going to talk about offensive crayons. That's going to be interesting. And some specifics. We've been talking about community standards. What are the community standards? What are the rules that we're supposed to abide by to keep ourselves, supposedly keep ourselves, from being banned and blocked and penalized on Facebook? All that and more on the way next. Hang on. You ever wonder why we get such a rush whenever we spend money on something we know is probably a bad financial investment? Come on, we've all done it at one time or another. You know, I know this is a dumb thing to do, but I really want it. The brain gives us that little dopamine kick as we finance the new car or buy the stock or plug another 20 bucks into the slot machine, right? But why? I mean, how do you and I determine value when it comes to our financial investments? Dr. Scott Hutel has a lecture called Behavioral Economics, When Psychology and Economics Collide. It's a course designed to tool us up for a better understanding of value, I mean, true value in things. It's just one of over 10,000 different lectures that The Great Courses has on a huge variety of subjects, from brain science to religious history to travel and leisure to wine tasting, even playing an instrument like the guitar. You can watch or listen anytime using The Great Courses app. And right now you can get a free trial with unlimited access to the entire course library using my special URL. You're going to love it. So sign up right now and check it out at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash Seth. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash Seth.
My patrons get a totally commercial-free broadcast every single week, and they get the show early, usually a couple of days early. Mostly, they just want to support the show and its host, and for that, I'm hugely grateful. If you would like to be a Patreon supporter, you can log on and check it out at patreon.com slash Seth Andrews. Alex Jones, conspiracy theorist, provocateur, opportunist, performance artist, awful human being, Alex Jones. Last month, he was deleted outright from Facebook, uh, YouTube dumped him, and as he screamed persecution and censorship, he was essentially shown the door. Now, I was interested in how polarizing this conversation became, even in atheist circles. And I understand the conversations about speech and free speech. I'm a speech guy. But for me, Alex Jones and the deletion of his accounts from these private companies isn't really a free speech issue as much as he's a willful distributor of misinformation and truly awful, hateful, damaging rhetoric. He's a misinformation machine essentially a fake news site. And so that's how I see the deletion of Alex Jones. His voice has not been muted. He's not a First Amendment martyr. He still gets to go and pound his chest and pound the desk and scream and rant and go red-faced on whatever topic he wants. But these particular platforms have said, you can do that, but you ain't going to do it in our front yard. And I actually supported that. Now, it's a little tricky Bad ideas are indeed part of the discussions we have about the freedom of expression and speech. So, an article in the New York Times about Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook's decision to ban InfoWars. It was written by Kevin Roos, August 10th, 2018. From the article, it said, Late on Sunday, after returning to his hotel room on a trip away from home, Mark Zuckerberg made a decision he had hoped to avoid. For weeks, the Facebook chief executive and his colleagues had debated what to do about InfoWars, the notorious far-right news site, and Alex Jones, InfoWars' choleric founder, who became famous for his spittle-flecked rants and far-fetched conspiracies, including the idea that the Sandy Hook massacre was an elaborate hoax promoted by gun control supporters. Mr. Jones is just one Facebook user out of 2.2 billion but he'd become symbolic of tech platforms' inconsistency and reluctance to engage in a misinformation war. The pressure on Facebook to do something about him had intensified after executives gave a series of vague and confusing answers to lawmakers and reporters about the company's policies. Misinformation was allowed to stay on the platform, they said, but hate speech wasn't. So users dug up and reported old InfoWars posts asking for their removal on the grounds that they glorified violence and contained dehumanizing language against Muslims, immigrants, and transgender people. These posts clearly violated Facebook's hate speech rules, and in a normal situation, a low-level content moderator might have reviewed them, found they qualified, and taken them down. But Mr. Jones was no typical internet Crank, he has millions of followers, a popular video show, and the ear of President Trump, who once told the provocateur that his reputation was, quote, amazing. Banning such a prominent activist would lead to political blowback, no matter how justified the action was. 
The situation was volatile enough that Mr. Zuckerberg got personally engaged, according to two people involved in Facebook's handling of the accounts. He discussed info wars at length with other executives and mused privately about whether Mr. Jones, who once called Mr. Zuckerberg a genetic-engineered psychopath in a video, was purposely trying to get kicked off the platform to gain attention, they said. Mr. Zuckerberg, an engineer by training and temperament, has always preferred narrow process decisions to broad, subjective judgments. His evaluation of InfoWars took the form of a series of technical policy questions. They included whether the mass reporting of InfoWars posts constituted coordinating brigading, a tactic common in online harassment campaigns. Executives also debated whether Mr. Jones should receive a strike for each post containing hate speech which would lead to removing his pages as well as the individual posts, or a single collective strike, which would remove the post but leave his pages up. Well, last Sunday, and again, this is a month-old article, last Sunday, Apple, which has often tried to stake out moral high ground on contentious debates, removed InfoWars podcast from iTunes. After seeing the news, Mr. Zuckerberg sent a note to his team confirming his own decision. The strikes against InfoWars and Mr. Jones would count individually, and the pages would come down. The announcement arrived at 3 a.m. Pacific time. In the days that followed, other platforms, YouTube, Pinterest, MailChimp, and more, said they too were banning InfoWars. And he just got banned from Twitter as well. Now cut off from most of his audience, Mr. Jones will have to chart a new course. He's already stepped enthusiastically into a role as free speech martyr. After the ban took effect, InfoWars slapped a censored label on its videos and launched a forbidden information marketing campaign. And conservatives, and even some free speech advocates on the left, worried that social media companies may be entering a new censorious era. One lesson Mr. Zuckerberg has taken from the InfoWars saga, said the people involved in the handling of Mr. Jones's Facebook accounts is that the social network's policies are overly complex and need to be simplified. Privately, company officials have also downplayed the InfoWars ban, saying they don't represent a watershed moment in the online free speech debate, but are rather a matter of how to enforce Facebook's existing policies. This is a convenient narrative, of course, from a company that would rather haggle over terms of service than discuss the power and governance of its platform. There are legitimate questions still unanswered about what to do about the huge, unaccountable corporations that control large pieces of our modern communications infrastructure. Both fans and critics of InfoWars can probably agree that a system in which one executive can decide to shut off a news organization's access to a large portion of its audience is hardly ideal. There were also valid questions about why InfoWars got so popular in the first place. And whether attention-maximizing platforms like Facebook and YouTube are designed in ways so that people like Mr. Jones are incentivized to push the boundaries of acceptable speech. After all, these platforms didn't just host InfoWars content for those who were seeking it. They actively promoted it to millions of people for years through algorithmic feeds and recommendation engines that decide which videos to show you next. Could these platforms be redesigned so that the next Alex Jones never gets that kind of boost and remains on the ideological fringes? Those questions will have to wait. Well, I take issue with the idea that Alex Jones is a news site. 
Alex Jones is not a news site. He does not qualify. Secondly, I think that Alex Jones is a symptom of a much greater problem, which is an epidemic of cultural ignorance, tribalism, the hating of or the separating oneself from marginalized groups, conspiracy theories, anti-science, and the gleeful manipulation of a largely ignorant audience to make oneself a millionaire. Hell, we see this all the time in the church. Press the hot button, get everybody worked up, spin some sort of bullshit narrative, and laugh all the way to the bank. Alex Jones isn't the problem. He's a symptom of a much larger problem. He's popular because of a much larger problem. If we didn't have a culture of people that were interested in and rewarded his behavior, his net worth would be about 150 bucks. Just saying. David McAfee is an activist, public speaker. He is an author of several books, including No Sacred Cows, The Book of Gods, The Belief Book, and Disproving Christianity. He's also the founder of a political party called the Party of Reason and Progress. And he joins me here, David McAfee. Good to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Glad to talk to you again. You're quite a rebel. Just getting banned <laughs> left and right, which is why I wanted to include you in this conversation. Tell me about the kinds of things that are getting you booted off, at least temporarily, off of social media. I've been banned from Facebook, specifically uh, temporary bans, I think 10 times now. And the reason that it's getting serious is because now they're threatening to permanently ban me if this happens even one more time. And I've been banned for everything from uh, forgetting to exclude people's names from posts that I make, which I get, it's reasonable, to completely unreasonable things like when I went to the Westboro Baptist Church and took a picture in front of their church just standing there and I was banned because of the language on their sign. So you're standing in front of Westboro to draw attention to mm -hmm. the bigotry that they are demonstrating, not because you are yourself a bigot. You are Exactly. About I was actually, uh, I wrote about them in No Sacred Cows in my book, and I was criticizing them for that, among other uh, cult tactics. But they banned you for the photograph for being offensive. Exactly. And I've also been banned for people sending me death threats and I report them and nothing happens. So then I, I post it to get a wider audience and say, nothing has happened on this. And then I was banned for that. Yeah, it just happened to Armin Novabi. He was at the pride parade with his Allah is gay sign. He posted the video. He received death threats. He and his wife, he posted or reposted the death threats. Facebook penalized him. Yep, that has actually happened to me more than once, that exact thing. And it's insane that the people who are sending these death threats aren't getting any type of retribution at all. But we are, apparently, because maybe we run a large page or something like that. Do you find yourself just totally locked out without explanation or warning? Actually, about half the time, that's been my exact experience. And about half the time, right when I log in, it'll pop up and say, you violated our community standards with this post. On one of them that I sent you earlier, you, I couldn't determine any reason why it would violate the community standards, but it didn't matter. Sometimes I found, uh, like in my junk spam folder in my uh, email, there will be something. Sometimes there's nothing at all, and I've had to call and talk to Facebook. It's very different each time I've been banned. Wait, you got through and actually spoke to somebody at Facebook? I did indeed. I actually was so upset when I was banned for 30 days for posting the picture in front of Westboro Baptist Church that I started just 
posting about it on any other forum that I could and talking to people. And eventually I met this woman who works for Facebook at a lower level, but she was able to put me through to somebody. And I eventually talked to a human being and they basically told me that my post was taken down for terrorist threats or something like that. And I was like, okay, this is making no sense. But uh, she also said that there are a lot of reasons that could happen, including a Facebook employee who's simply biased against atheists or uh, favorable towards Westboro Baptist Church. It could have been really anything, she said, but they can choose to flag that for whatever. And the fact that it was terrorism meant that it probably was a an employee who didn't like my work for whatever reason. I had that thought. You know, I posted that meme of Jesus Christ on the crucifix and he was bungee jumping off the cross and it was flagged. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what are the chances that somebody who was a devout Christian was offended and then mm -hmm. projected that offense onto Facebook's guidelines as subjective yep. as they are. And, and, you know, then if you have a number of people publicly who decide they want to target you, have you ever been the target of, you know, a mass <laughs> effort? Let's say some religious page or group just decides they're going to take David McAfee personally. That's happened to you? Yep, that's happened to me as well. Uh, on your first note, that's entirely possible that some Facebook employee was merely offended and wanted to project that onto the community standards and say that it went against it somehow. As far as targeted operations go, those are actually very, very common. I've found groups dedicated to, quote, taking me down to uh, just mass reporting everything that I do. A lot of it came from when I was tweeting Donald Trump a lot and a lot of my posts were going viral. And so a lot of Trump supporters formed groups to specifically target me and to report my posts. And it would end up getting me banned and getting my even completely innocuous posts taken down, sometimes three-day ban, sometimes 30-day ban, and now they're threatening it's going to be a permanent ban if it happens again, but there's really no recourse when it's that kind of an organized action. We're going to show David McAfee. We're going to show him how tough we are. We're going to go and flag <laughs> all of his stuff. Tell everybody about your political work and the organization that you founded. Well, I've got you real fast. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's the Party of Reason and Progress, and I founded it the day after Trump was elected so that we could promote evidence-based politics, and uh, we have a platform based on peer-reviewed science. And yeah, so people didn't take kindly to that and have kind of targeted me as a result of that as well. Uh, we now have a pretty huge operation with verified Facebook and Twitter pages, and they operate on their own now without my assistance. But Regardless, the targeting of me still comes because I founded the organization. It happens. David McAfee, well, thanks for sharing your experience. I want to sort of make this this show, at first at least, sort of a compilation of experiences, various people who've been blocked, banned, targeted in some way, and then we're going to get into some solutions or at least potential solutions. Thanks for your great work out there. And I know it's got to be tough in the era of Trump, but you guys keep pushing reason and uh, science. It really does matter, okay? Thank you very much. I really appreciate it, Seth. Alice Vaughn is someone who is uh, making a splash out there on I don't know how many different platforms. Much of what she does is driven by or promoted with social media. And she has some very strong opinions and uh, some inside knowledge about how these bans happen and why they happen and who these quote-unquote censors might be. I wanted to talk to her for the broadcast, so here she is. Alice, it's great to have you on the show. Good to talk to you, Seth. You are part of a new podcast called Two Girls, One Mike. Okay, describe it for the audience. 
So it is hosted by myself and my co-host Yvette Dantremont, who's also known publicly as Cybabe. And we are two women who essentially have a porn podcast, or as we call it, a porncast. You review and give comments on porn movies. Yeah, that's definitely one of the things we do. So we review porn, we discuss uh, different topics within porn, we discuss different fetishes, everything from the BDSM community, Bigfoot erotica, we're discussing um, <laughs> yeah, uh, VR technology, uh, teledeldonics, sex robots, and we wanted to come at this at a perspective of science and genuine curiosity. And who better than two women who enjoy porn are outward about it. And, you know, we, we enjoy having these types of conversations. So it's weird. Um, you know, I come from this Puritan background and so it's such a foreign language to, to be having this kind of like I'm doing, a, am scrolling Facebook and I see Yvette post something about having, she's testing out VR porn. I guess she's got the headset on. <laughs> she's like, this is my job. And I just thought, wow, what a wild world we live in. Yeah. It's a uh, kind of also strange to tell people it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I have to watch deep throat and Debbie does Dallas for work. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Well, let's talk about social media. You're no stranger to social media, but tell our listeners, I mean, What's your experience with it? And what are some of your perspectives about what we've been talking about, which is speech, offensive speech? Let's just start there and see what happens. Okay, Alice? Yeah, absolutely. So when you say I have a little experience, I kind of do. So I do a few things online, everything from I'm the COO of the Science Enthusiast Network. So what that means is um, me and my uh, friend, Dan, we run a bunch of Facebook pages, about two dozen of them. And a lot of them have likes anywhere from as little as 20,000 all the way to 900,000. So we have a monthly reach of close to 100 million people per month. Uh, So definitely on the social media front, we have a lot of experience there. But also I'm the founder of a product called Offensive Crayons. So I've experienced quite um, a bit of... uh, bans in some circumstance, whether it be through Twitter or Facebook. I've actually even been banned off Amazon for, get this, and I can't make this up, for insulting children and Caucasians. Children and Caucasians. The crayons were insulting to children and Caucasians or what? Clearly, yeah, clearly the most sensitive groups. All right, so, all right hang on. And Describe the crayon. Well, I mean, what's an offensive crayon, Alice? So they are crayons with adult names on them. So everything from miscarriage maroon, boner pill blue, white is privilege. Um, I do have, um, as an homage, I have an orange that's presidential. I also have just some fun, interesting colors. You know, I don't hold back on, you know, I, I'm an equal opportunity insulter. So it's, it was a fun, small project that kind of blew up on its own last year. And early this year, a few times I've gone viral. But what's been really, really interesting is as far as censorship goes, I feel that considering I have worked behind the veil in a sense with these products and these different platforms, I've seen how speech, especially lawful speech, can be banned and shut down very quickly through these platforms. You know, even when you're saying something that wouldn't be considered offensive to most, and I'm not talking about the Alex Joneses of the world, people always say, no, we need to shut down their speech. But the problem is, for every Alex Jones, you have 10 or 100 times more people with actual lawful speech who get their voices shut down. And that's the actual problem. So, I mean, if I may, if you 
do a crayon with the word miscarriage in it, and there's someone who is out there who has suffered a miscarriage in their life, and it hits them at a deep level. I mean, I, I get the nature of some of this type of stuff is to push the envelope because you can. But I mean, I, I could understand if, if some of this material gave some people pause. I'm not a fan of all of banning it. I'm just like, don't buy it. To me, that seems relatively simple. But what would you say to somebody who was like, holy shit, that's kind of a heavy subject, and it seems like she's making fun of it? And to them, I would say that people cope in different ways. Yes, I have had people who, you know, contact me and say, how could you possibly joke about this? This is something that was traumatic to me personally. I've had a number of people say that to me, but I've also had a number of messages that will say, I had a miscarriage and I'm glad I can laugh about this, that, you know, that I can cope with this through humor. I hate people looking at me through pity. So people find different ways of coping. That's what it comes down to. So they use this brand of humor to sort of take control of something that had once been out of their control. Yeah. And um, that's the thing about humor. You know, you could touch upon edgy topics and conversations that for most would feel uncomfortable, but you can get the conversation started um, and reach people in different ways. And I mean, for me, it's about getting a conversation started. So if I post something about Islam... And I get banned for several days, which is what happened. Uh, And it was kind of an edgy gag where it had a huge swath of people who were all bowed, praying to the east. And there's someone had photoshopped in minesweeper numbers over the top of them. I mean, I laughed out loud. I understand how some people could consider it insensitive, but I just thought it's a gag. Most people are going to go with this. And it was banned as hate speech or offensive. What's your take on offensive speech? I'm okay with offensive speech because offensiveness and humor are both subjective. I can explain if you'd like why Facebook removed that, because I do have a little bit of insight on how their protected categories do work. But yeah, I mean, just going back, I think all speech, you know, whether it's good or bad should be online, just because at the end of the day, the only way to combat bad speech is through more speech. And I mean, you know, whether it's offensive or not, Is in the eye of the beholder kind of thing? Yeah, it really is. So if I post that, I'm guessing some Islamists and maybe even a few people who are, you know, who are liberals or atheists thought it was offensive and they flagged it. Is this when the machines take over? Is this an algorithm? How does this process work, Alice? There's a handful of ways. Um, So first off, Facebook, actually, they'll delete curses, slurs, calls to violence, uh, several other types of attacks only when they're directed at protected categories. Those are based on race, sex, gender identity, religious affiliation, national origin, ethnicity, sexual orientation, even um, serious disability and disease. But they do give broader latitude when um, there are subsets of protected categories because any one of us could be in a protected, like half a dozen protected categories. So say um, like white female drivers or black children, radicalized Muslims, they're all subsets because only one of the characteristics is not protected. That said, so Facebook, what they'll do is they utilize APIs and algorithms to filter through the content. And generally what will happen, and I've noticed this on my actual crayons, was I noticed that one of my images went viral earlier this year. And if you repost that specific image, Facebook's algorithms have kind of flagged it so that way, even if you post it in a comment section of you know, maybe someone who has the same exact humor as you, Facebook will automatically be triggered and remove that post and even 
potentially ban you for a couple of days. But that said, there is um, there are sensors that Facebook does hire as well as Twitter and these other platforms. But what people are unaware of is so a lot of these sensors, first off, they're based in countries where they're paid two to three dollars an hour. Yes, they do have a rule book, but because their wages are so low, many of them out of protest will just not really do their job and then just flag everything as banned or flag nothing as banned. And also, actually, some will admit to going on the record and saying, yeah, I know we have a handbook. However, I personally feel this content shouldn't be allowed. And they'll take it off themselves just based on a personal decision. So that's the other problem when you have people reviewing content, which is they'll, they won't always follow the rules. So that's a little bit on the background. Another thing to consider is a lot of times these people, when they're reviewing these images and statements, they only have about two to three seconds per image and statement. That's it. So as far as context, it goes out the window, whether it's context of the post or even, you know, who posted it to begin with, because that could also influence relevancy of the content that was posted. So these people have very, very, very little time to make a judgment call, and they can't always make the right one. And this is a problem a lot of the time. And that's how you end up getting people who will post about their own experiences um, saying, hey, this is the hate speech I received in my inbox, or these are the misogynistic or sexist tweets I get. And for just reposting the hate that they get on a platform like Facebook or Twitter, the algorithms, they won't understand context and they'll just take it down. So um, I wonder, too, if there's a cultural language barrier between us and the quote unquote censors, for lack of a better word. I mean, if they're in another country, they don't really understand sort of the nuance of language. And, you know, humor varies from geographical region to geographical region. All of our biases informing what we consider to be appropriate or not. That must be a huge problem, right? Oh, absolutely. It definitely contributes. What do you at the science enthusiast and the other pages, I mean, what do you do to help protect yourself, if anything, against this kind of thing? Well, the problem is that there isn't much we really can do. All you really need is, unfortunately, even just a small group of people to rally around um, and actually groups and authoritarian leaning governments, as we speak, are employing this tactic to trample free speech. What they'll do is they'll just, you know, in mass report something and it'll, you'll either have your post taken down or even your page taken down. So we do have to sometimes think and be considerate of some of our posts, but it is a risk we do take. Um, Now that said, um, for larger pages, Facebook has gotten slightly better when it comes to at least reviewing content or having some sort of a review process during um, if your page is unpublished. Um, but the problem still persists where there there's no transparency whatsoever in you know, many of the times when you do have your speech taken down, they won't explain why, um, what exactly the statement was that, you know, was offensive or, you know, inappropriate or went against their guidelines. And if hypothetically, I mean, I, I've been in this situation previously where we had one of our larger pages taken down or unpublishing a review for a few days, we had to essentially guess at, okay, what was this unlawful content that may have gotten our page taken down? And it was, and I kid you not, Seth, when I say this, um, so our page was basically taken down for four days, a page that had at the time well over 400,000 followers, over a post on chicken nuggets. 
What did the post say? Do you remember? I, oh, I remember it very clearly. Um, so it was a Transformation Tuesday post. And the first slide, the first image was a hand holding a baby chick. And in the second slide, it was uh, the same exact hand with the same exact nail polish holding a chicken nugget. (laughs) (laughs) So it was an animal rights argument, essentially, is what it was. Pretty much. But I've also been banned, for example. um, So (laughs) you'll probably enjoy this one. Uh, So earlier on this year, Stephen Hawking passed away. And you have to understand, I was a physics major. I really into the sciences. For me, he was a hero of mine. But again, people cope in different ways. And I cope through humor. And Stephen Hawking had a great sense of humor. But when he died, all I did was ask the question, did anyone try turning him off and on again? <laughs> yeah. That's a 30-day ban. I would, lo- I would laugh at that. I think Stephen Hawking would laugh at that, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is a guy who um, was on The Simpsons, Futurama. He was on The Big Bang Theory several times. He wanted to be a Bond villain, Seth. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. Well, you know, we're in this uh, weird time, this cultural time, when conversations about speech and what should be, quote unquote, allowed or disallowed, what is hateful, what is not, what is offensive, what is not. I mean, these are waters that, I mean, I want to navigate them carefully. We don't want to be... We don't want to harm people. But at the same time, I'd also don't want to live in a world where we're so tepid, we're so busy walking on eggshells, we're so busy cultivating an offense culture that uh, we end up shooting ourselves in the foot and becoming these sort of joyless robots. No, absolutely. You know, I, I think the biggest problem is that in moments of crisis, we look to simple solutions for very complex problems. And then we're often very sorry. The internet grew up in the way it did for mostly good. And I like to think that for the majority of the time, platforms have mostly stayed neutral. If we had a world in which Facebook, Twitter, Google, YouTube, Instagram put themselves in a position of court and decide what speech should and shouldn't be allowed, you know, we're going to walk down a really dangerous path because those decisions, those tactics will inevitably be used on speech we support. And Frankly, we'd kind of be foolish to think otherwise because it's already happening. I agree with Christopher Um, Hitchens. You know, he was like, well, who would you give the job of policing what you can and cannot hear, what you should and should not be able to entertain? I'm not going to give that job to somebody else. I want both good and bad ideas to be out there in the ether, and I'll determine for myself what I think about them. And, you know, it's not that we're saying that these platforms don't have the right to do this. I mean, these platforms have the First Amendment right to post any speech they want. But I think as users, we want them to use that right wisely. And we just have to understand that our online world has almost no public spaces. And that is spaces for discourse that are controlled by the US government and subject to First Amendment protection. You know, we essentially allow these massive corporations to instead police and control the vast majority of our civic discourse online. Alice, I appreciate your perspective. All my best in your endeavors with the new broadcast. And I know you got the irons and a lot of fires these days, but thanks for giving us a perspective on all this. We're going to continue the conversation about offensive speech, censorship, and how to navigate the social media world with often inflammatory or what some might consider inflammatory ideas, links, articles, claims, memes, whatever. And uh, you've been an important part of this conversation. So thank you very much. Thank you, Seth, for having me. Let me read finally from a Facebook newsroom web posting. 
It was posted right after they dumped Alex Jones, and it wanted to, I guess, clarify for the rest of us what was going on and what the criteria are and aren't for being banned. It says, how do you deal with people in pages who repeatedly violate your standards? Simply removing content that violates our standards is not enough to deter repeat offenders. It's why every time we remove something, it counts as a strike against the person who posted it. When it comes to pages, we hold both the entire page and the person who posted the content accountable. Here's a step-by-step overview of what happens when content is reported to Facebook. If a page posts content that violates our community standards, the page and the page admin responsible for posting the content receive a strike. When a page surpasses a certain threshold of strikes, the whole page is unpublished. For people, including page admins, the effects of a strike vary depending on the severity of the violation and a person's history on Facebook. For example, some content is so bad that posting it just once means we would remove the account immediately. In the case of other violations, we may warn someone the first time they break our community standards. If they continue, we may temporarily block their account, which restricts their ability to post on Facebook or remove it altogether. What is the number of strikes a person or page has to get before you ban them? We don't want people to game the system, Facebook says, so we do not share the specific number of strikes that leads to a temporary block or permanent suspension. When we remove content for violating our policies, we notify the person who posted it to explain why, with some narrow exceptions to account for things like child exploitation imagery. If someone violates our policies multiple times, their accounts will be temporarily blocked. A page that does so will be unpublished. When a person's in a temporary block, they can read things on Facebook, but they can't like, comment, or post. If that person's also the admin of a Facebook page, the block prevents them from posting to the page. The question if a page is unpublished, is that different from removing them, and if so, why? The reply is, we offer pages the opportunity to appeal in case we made a mistake. So our first step is to unpublish the page so it's no longer available on Facebook. If they don't appeal or their appeal fails, we remove the page. This is very complicated. Why do it this way? This approach ensures pages, even those with multiple admins as well as page admins, are held accountable for the content they post. It also means that admins cannot use multiple pages to violate our policies and avoid strikes against their personal profiles. It's not perfect, but we believe it's a practical way to deter repeat offenders and help keep people safe. The question, how do you distinguish between fake news and content that breaks your community standards? People can say things on Facebook that are wrong or untrue, but we work to limit the distribution of inaccurate information. We partner with third-party fact-checkers to review and rate the accuracy of articles on We partner with third-party fact-checkers to review and rate the accuracy of articles on Facebook. When something is rated as false, those stories are ranked significantly lower in news feed, cutting future views by more than 80%. When it comes to our community standards, they're focused on keeping people safe. If you post something that goes against our standards, which cover things like hate speech that attacks or dehumanizes others, we will remove it from Facebook. I was going to read 
the Facebook community standards right here on the radio to close the show. It's just too damn long. Just Google search Facebook community standards. It pops right up. But they, you know, have categorized it violence and criminal behavior, safety, objectionable content, integrity and authenticity, respecting intellectual property, which speaks to trademarks and proprietary material and then a content related request. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that Facebook genuinely is trying to balance free speech versus the removing of objectionable material. I certainly reject these conspiracy notions that Mark Zuckerberg, who was an atheist and has turned religious, now has an agenda against the atheist. I've heard that one before. That's complete crap. I think largely most people genuinely are trying to do the right thing. Having said that, the system is obviously imperfect. Many of the quote-unquote standards and guidelines in place are way too subjective to suit me, leaving us at the mercy of anyone and everyone who can just decide that we are quote-unquote offensive. It's too easy for people to game the system by ganging up and falsely flagging material that might be offensive to them, but that's on them. And the ideas still deserve to be heard. It's an imperfect system. But having said all that, let us not, my friends, take for granted what social media has made possible here in the year 2018. It is because of Facebook and Twitter and YouTube that I have a lifeline to and from people all around the world that you and I are able to share internet radio between each other and other podcasters. We have blogs, we have social media interactions with friends and family that we normally would never have a chance to interact with. We have conduits to express our opinions, our perspectives, information, to share links and photographs. And I do that very thing every single day, whether it's photographs of Henry and Rat Dog or commentary about the Catholic Church in the wake of the most recent abuse scandal or talking about where the next tour stop is going to be or what the next video might address or when we're going to go game on Twitch and play Resident Evil 7 with a host of other infidels who love video games. All of this and so much more possible because we live in a hyper-connected world. Let us not forget that. Yeah, we got some problems we got to work through, but we're also receiving a tremendous amount of benefit. So as we work to solve the problems, let us keep things in perspective. You're awesome. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you so very much. I will see you next time. Follow The Thinking Atheist on Facebook and Twitter. Watch dozens of original videos on The Thinking Atheist YouTube channel. And visit our website for resources, links, contact information, the editor's blog, and more. TheThinkingAtheist.com Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.